Welcome back to the show. This is your host, Matthew Gallo. On Wow, stumbling right on my words. And I'm only 10 seconds in. On today's episode, I interview a podcast host, musician, a recovery coach, and he's got the best name ever. My new friend, Matt Gardiner, who drops in from BC, British Columbia, and who is well-versed in leadership, having spent many, many, many years working his way up the chain of command for a large chain of food stores in Canada. And now, well, now he's a coach because he realized that the path he was on working his way up through middle management and upper management of these stores was not part of his journey. In fact, he found himself more and more drawn to the life of a coach because of his own transformations, his own challenges with addiction, and he wanted to explore that side of the world in helping other people recover and helping other people find their way. This is such a fun episode too, such a fun conversation with Matt. He is a, he's really fun to talk to. He's got a great personality. Hey, this is all my opinion, by the way. I'll let you decide. So let's get on with the show. Welcome, Matt Gardiner. <laughs> I like it. Good. I like, I like it I too. That style, Matt. That's a good style. I like good your style. Good afternoon, Matthew. How are you? I am great, Matthew. And yourself? It's great when I can I can talk to a reflection. You know, it's right. We we're, we we study the the language and the affirmations. And I think it's it's really cool when you can use your own name and talk to somebody. Yes. Does that what that's got to have some power? I imagine. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yes, I imagine is right. Yeah. There's no way it doesn't have power. Negation acknowledged. How did how does that work? Um, how many mats do you get to talk to on a daily basis? You know what? You say, okay, so I, I've, I've jumped around like my old job that I had. I jumped around from store to store. I did, I think, 15 stores in the whole time that I was in, in Save on Foods. And there was one store, there was like, I think I was the fourth Matt that jumped in. So then they page like, Matt to wherever. I'm like, okay, like, and then there'd be two Matt G's. I'm like, oh man. So now I gotta go like, now we gotta differentiate. Is there a Matthias in the house? Is there a Matthew? You know, start going through all the different ones. Well, yeah. But generally, <laughs> I, you know, it is a fairly common name. I, had, I was in a band with another Matt. So, mm. I mean, it is a, let's face it. It's a great name. Let's face it. When I was in high school, my bet, one of my best friends was named Matt coincidentally. Nice. Yeah. Um, and he, he ended up being the best man at my wedding. Um, yes. And we had this joke because we had another friend that was named Matt. And if the three of us were together and somebody stood in the middle of the three of us, they had to make a wish. And generally that wish would not come true because that's not how things work. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that doesn't actually happen. That's so funny. Man. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good story. It is. Yeah. And, you know, of course, you know, the Hebrew meaning of math, right? I have no idea. What is it? The gift of God. 
Is that the fact? Yes. Really? Factual. Factual. So does that make you feel a little, little better about yourself? I, I'm going to put that on a t-shirt <laughs> for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. wonder how that would go over. Right? So you said you worked at a, at a store. What kind of store was that? So it's a grocery store. Like it's a, it's a regional Canadian grocery store. It's a, okay. a franchise. Yeah. So it's owned by Jim Pattison. who's one of the, uh, mm. one of the richer dudes in Canada. Awesome guy. Like I've met him a few times. He kind of has like the Mr. Burns persona, like a little bit, um, you know, very, um, yeah. I don't know. He's like 94 years old. So, but still completely with it. He still does store tours and he'll still ask you questions about business, super with it, with super lucid and uh, you know, a little bit hard of hearing, but at 94, you, you expect that. And so you kind of have to lean in to talk to him a little bit, but um, yeah, so he owns it. It's actually a privately owned company. <laughs> But it's expanded four different provinces, close to 200 stores. We just bought a few stores down. Well, talking like we, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> you know, what I mean? I'm, I'm still used to that, right? Um, in the States, like just in and around uh, Washington. And um, yeah, so dude, like it was a good job. Uh, really sought after job, like where I'm from in uh, Prince George, BC. It was like, you know, it's smaller town, just 70,000 people. So still fairly sizable, but like overweighty, which is the original branding was like considered a great career. So when I got into it, when I was 16 years old, it was initially just a transition job for me. You know, this is something to do after high school and, and that sort of thing. But literally from the age 16 till just now, it was 23 years. That was my pretty much my only job that I had. I went from, you know, part-time bakery deli closer, you know, after I'd finish, uh, finish up at high school, go work a you know, four-hour shift there uh to assistant store manager and ended up being assistant store manager opening a brand new store in a really uh more well-to-do neighborhood here in edmonton and uh during the pandemic during the third wave of the pandemic so that was kind of the pinnacle of my take out the kind of that was the pinnacle of my career where it's just like wow and um yeah and then shortly thereafter i that's kind of what led me into uh i took a sabbatical probably about five months after that after the store had opened up and uh and yeah, that's kind of led me to where I am now. But to answer your question, yeah, it was, uh, it's Save on Foods. It started as overweighty uh, back in, I want to say like 1914 in British Columbia. Wow. And it expanded to close to 200 stores. And it's very unique because it is still privately owned by Jim Pattison. So it's, uh, you know, we haven't gone, uh, we haven't merged with any companies or anything of that nature. It's a pretty unique, uh, unique. And also I might, I might, I might add, uh, Jim Pattison owns a bunch of radio stations up here in Canada. And he was the guy that first gave my band my first grant that I ever received. So I owe a lot to Jim Pattison. Shout out to him because he, uh, uh, one of his radio stations gave us a $10,000 grant to record a professional wow. album back in 2012. So, man, so thankful for to that guy, man, for sure. For both my professional and my music career for that matter. So It's a beautiful thing when you get into something at 16 and it, and it has, a, has some impact. Oh, over 20 something years. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. What was that? Uh, yeah. What was your identity like? I love how you talk about identity. That's great. Yeah. I remember this from our, our conversation. So mm. the work identity, that's what you mean, right? Yeah. What was that? What was that like for you? And so, yeah, there's a lot. How'd you, how'd you keep, that. how'd you keep it separate, you know, from music? Yeah. Oh, that's a great question. That's what I bring up a, a fair bit normally. So I'm really glad you brought that up, Matt. So yeah, when we talk about identity, I, I, I've been actually thinking about this quite a bit since our our conversation when you were on my show. Specifically, 
you're, you're kind of giving the, the idea that you can have, like there is more than one identity. And before I always thought of it as that would be problematic or troublesome because you're not being congruent because you should be the same quote unquote identity. You should bring the same qualities to every kind of relationship or ever like whether it's business or music, whatever it may be, right? But uh, the way that you framed it, though, the conversation that we had kind of relieved me of that, or just at least it was food for thought for me. I was like, you know what? That, that's true. It's true. You can still have your same values and principles, but your identity, depending on who you're interacting with, can change depending on, again, depending on mm -hmm. if you're at work, you can have your work mat, you can have musician mat, family mat. And so, yeah, it was, it was an interesting conversation. So to get to your question, yeah, my work identity was, uh, you know what, I grew up in the company. So for me, I was a very shy kid. Um, I was very introverted, kept to myself, kind of awkward as most you know teenagers can be, especially early on. Now, my parents divorced when I was 13. So, and where I was from uh, the high school, it wasn't, there was no middle school. So it was this grade eight to grade 12. So when I went in and I hadn't hit my growth spurt or anything yet, so I was a pretty small kid, had a bit of a stunned look on my face because of everything that was happening at home. I had a sheltered childhood up to that point. So by the time I had uh, I'd gone to high school, my parents were divorcing. I was just kind of like, whoa, like what is going on here? So sort of a target for bullying. You know, I was a pretty easy target for just like, what's this kid's deal? You know, just looking a little bit stunned, pretty small, keeping to himself. So I had a little bit of that. So when I got to work, when I got to start working at Save on Foods at age 16, it's, uh, it really brought me out of my shell. It made me have to start talking to strangers because there's a level of customer service, obviously. And it's an expectation of the job for obvious reasons, you know. And uh, so, yeah, that, that really helped me form that identity, that, that, which is so important for, you know, for growing up, basically. So it really helped me socialize on a very different level than what high school did. High school, you have to learn how to, you know, navigate different um, social groups and things of that nature, which I honestly, I took a lot more out of that side of high school than a lot of like, you know, the educational side, I think mm -hmm. looking back. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the work side for sure, like just interacting with people that were my parents' age on more of just a personable level, because before I would just have this sort of, um, mm. you know, a very uh, limited interactions with with adults, because it's like, it, I was raised just just be polite. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Mm -hmm. Just kind of limiting your interactions that way. So it really brought me out of my shell. It forced me out of my shell. And it was it was great that way. Um, the, the other side of it that's, that will lead into, um, you know, a lot of what I want to kind of talk about with my, my origin story, quote unquote, is it was interesting in the fact that, you know, so it was what, 97, I would say 1997. So back then it was still, I would say pretty accepted, but I it was where I was from anyways, Prince George, there was like rampant, uh, like weed smoking and drinking, like drinking at work, like, you know, it'd be like, um, not, not to out who I was working with, but at the time, you know, there'd be like the, the two, six awry in the, in the cooler there on new year's Eve. Still like that kind of like old fashioned It's back in the day where you could smoke inside still. So there's a smoking room in the mm -hmm. back, like just different times. Right. And I remember when I was 16 years old or 17, like in that early, in the early days, like if I would get called in, uh, if somebody called in sick and I got called in for it. Uh, one of my, you know, whoever I was, one of my supervisors would be like, thanks for coming in. And like right on the sales floor, tuck a joint into my front pocket. He's like, that's for after your shift. Thanks for coming in, man. I'm like, this is how the real world is. This is crazy. Like, I'm like, I, man, I, I was sheltered, you know, 
And so that kind of what got me, got me rolling on that. And that was kind of when I got into music was around that time, 15, 16 years old, got in my first band. So yeah, for sure, dude, like uh, the identity thing, that was huge. I very much grew up in the company. I very much came out of my shell. I learned how to interact with adults, people my age. I got to the, to the degree I could tra train people. So the early days of leadership, even when I wasn't necessarily looking at it as such, in mm -hmm. fact, I was kind of like, wow, you know, I didn't, I didn't view it as, as quite as that. So, you know, fast forward until I was, um, I want to say about 23 or 24, I bought my first house here in Edmonton. And that was the, a big game changer for me for, uh, you know, for obviously for numerous reasons, but, um, up to that point, I'd always viewed Save On Foods as a transition job. At the time I was, you know, a musician, I was like, oh, I'm going to hit it big. Yeah, I'm going to be a rock star. Right. And, um, and then when I had the responsibilities of paying a mortgage, uh, which was good for me. And I always wanted a house because I, I loved my childhood house I grew up in from like age three to 17. I've always had this, I've always valued like, you know, consistency and shelter specifically. Um, as far as, you know, like something I've, I've definitely, you know, sought out for, for my whole life. I've been in this last house that I'm currently in for about 10 years now. So when I bought the house, it, it shifted my responsibilities. So at that point, I was like, okay, well, I mean, you know, this isn't just a transitional part-time job anymore while I'm playing. I can still play in the band. Like we converted the garage into this wicked recording studio. And, uh, you know, my family's friends helped it. And it was just awesome, great situation. And uh, so at that point, I was like, okay, well, you know what? In the meantime, I'm going to start working full-time here. And that's when I, I started taking on leadership roles in the company. So I went from full-time baker to uh, assistant bakery manager. And even then I was a little bit reluctant with the, um, with the leadership side of things. I was, I was very much just trying to be like the cool manager, like, ah, you know, and that's where the soft talk came in a lot. Mm. And it was like soft talk would follow me my, my entire manage managerial career. And I never viewed it as a problem until I, uh, I'd gone through and lifted level one. And then looking back on it, I was like, oh man, would I have done things differently? But yeah, I was skipping ahead a little bit, but <laughs> um, so yeah, that was it, man. And then after I, I remember the day that I got named bakery manager. So I, at that time you're taken out of the union, you're put into a salary position. Uh, I was young. I was 26 at the time. That was fairly unheard of. Like there was, you know, generally speaking, managerial roles in Save On Foods or Ogoyedi at the time. This is 2008. People were like, you know, mid 30s going on 40. Like if you're like 40 plus, you're looking at store manager, that kind of thing. So 26 was was quite young. And uh, and everybody in the department was like 40, 45 that had been there for like 15, 20 years. So it was a big thing for me to have to just sort of prove, prove myself. And, you know, I had no issues doing that, but it was definitely like, a, again, we we're talking about kind of congruency. It had to be like, talk the talk, walk the walk. So mm -hmm. I had to make sure that I was doing everything that anything that I would ask somebody to do, it was important to me that I would do it first and I would do it with them. And that was mm -hmm. something that I learned out of that scenario uh, quicker than I would have otherwise, mm -hmm. just because it was kind of like all eyes on me and, and that sort of thing. So yeah, and then there's a huge shift for me. Then that was when I uh, when I learned, you know, okay, this is I, I'm an adult now. You know, there's no more of the. Uh, so that was like I remember that a big shift there uh, in my just my work ethic. Uh, before I was always kind of like, yeah, you know, if something goes sideways here, like this, this isn't the end of the world. But at that point, I got I went all in. I'm like, if I'm going to do this, I'm I'm going to be the best that I can be. 
And that's, so that was a big shift for me. Um, and that's when I really started coming out of my shell and very overtly going up and, and talking with customers and going, Hey, like, what do you think mm-hmm. of, you know, being very conversational with them. Whereas before it would just kind of like, you know, I'd still say hi to them, but it would mm-hmm. be very much like trying to get away from them after. But and why do you think like, that is? Why do you think at that age, at that point in life, it, you were ready to step out that way? It was literally the, just the extra, the added, the realization of the added responsibility mm-hmm. and the, uh, you know, I crossed the threshold. There was no going back. I'd signed up for it. I'm like, okay, if that's the case, let's do this. So that's what it was. It was the added responsibility, my reaction to the added responsibility. So you had the opportunity there to assume that, that identity of like, Hey, I'm the, I'm the manager now, like this, this is my role. And, and and in a way it's, it's like you got permission to, uh, to step out validation that you could, that you, people will follow, listen and, yeah, and the, the the permission aspect is what I'm hearing, which is really interesting because I imagine that up until that point, you thought you were doing everything you could, and then suddenly things uh, you get the added responsibility, and and now you can you you can experiment in a way of like, okay, who do I get to be like right now with this uh, with this title? Yep. And that, that stuck for a while, I imagine, a, a 10 years or so, or you kept, you kept progressing up. What was next? Yeah. So I did. Yeah, no, good, uh, good summation of, of it for sure. It was, uh, it was very much that it was like, um, yeah, I like the permission thing. I never thought of it like that, but it was, there was a very distinct shift. You know, there's few things that'll happen in your life that like it happens and there's an instantaneous moment of clarity. A lot of people say, I, I don't have children. I'm assuming that is, I imagine I should say that that is how it is when you have a child, you just have this instant clarity and you're like, okay, my priorities have completely changed. So not that I'm, uh, you know, uh, going, mm. you know, comparing it to having a child, but I'm just saying in that realm, as far as. It's going, close, it's close. And what right. I, what I, um, when you, you say instant, it's really, uh, there's definitely a moment. There's definitely like a defining moment. Like there's a before and there's an after, but because there's so much preparation and, and um, yeah, you, you basically, you got time to sure. figure things out. And then, then it's like go time. You're it's like prepping for, you know, I, I compete in like endurance sports all the time. So it's like prepping for a big race like my Ironman is in November. So it's nine months away. So same time as, same, you know, yeah. We would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and now I have all this prep work. And, and for me, that's, um, I wrote about this recently. There's this concept of misogi, which is, uh, it's an ancient Japanese ritual of cleansing where you, you go into, uh, once a year, you go under this cold waterfall and it cleanses you of all of your, uh, what's what's the word that they use it's it's something i want to say laziness or mishaps um poor poor choices things like that yeah Um, yeah and so like it was it was adapted recently this this concept was adapted to in if you read the book uh the comfort crisis really fascinating book Mm. but it was it was adapted to add um to be used essentially like you you plan something out once a year that affects how you act and how you behave the rest of your year um or day or life so wow. so for me it's 
you know, last year it was, it was having a kid. So that, you know, knowing that that was going to happen, it was, you know, in September, it was coming no matter what. So I had to do something. I had to be disciplined. I had to um, change something about my behavior. This is when I started um, in lifted. Actually, I started in lifted right before we, we knew my wife was pregnant and I was like, this is perfect timing because I need to like level up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever had anything like that on your, you know, on your uh, horizon where you're like, uh, you have to change everything to get ready for it? (laughs) So funny, man. I actually, I like that. You, like you say, you can kind of see it coming. I love the idea that you have nine months to prepare. It's the same (laughs) timeline, right? You can see it coming, but then there's still, you still know there's going to be an instantaneous, like, bro, you can't prepare for that. It just, it hits you. You try your best. Sure. Exactly. That's right. That's right. So for me, uh, funny you mentioned, so I have something coming up that I'm expecting. And I know expectations are, are it can be kind of dangerous. So we can talk about that, but mm. I, I'm fully expecting it to be um, uh, life changing. And what I'm doing is uh, going down to Vancouver to do like a plant, mer- uh, plant medicine ceremony. And what I'm doing, what I'm looking to do is um, it's like the Bufo frog medicine. I don't know if you've heard about this. I've heard. Okay. So it's you like, a, explain it's like, it. sure. Yeah. It's uh, I was describe it for watching, the audience. <laughs> I was watching this YouTube video last night. So the, 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 the guy from, from down there sent this to me and it's this, you know, he's very well-spoken, but you can tell he's, he's a psychedelic mm. character, shall we say. Right. And uh, so he's explaining it. So I'll do my best to sort of reiterate what he said. <clears throat> so basically what it is, is um, it's like, I don't know if you've ever done like DMT. So DMT, like you can smoke it and you get these like really crazy powerful visions for about 10 seconds. Right. Mm-hmm. So, which I've done it before. And yeah, so yeah, I'm familiar with that, but this is about 10 times pow- more potent than that. And what it is not so much, vi- it's not so much visual, but what it does is like, because DMT is produced by the brain, mm-hmm. it just, it passes through the blood brain barrier and activates like your entire brain. And you have this like, moment of just connection with the source i guess they say right where you you almost like have a, i wouldn't say it's an out-of-body experience but the way the guy explained it is like your ego just removes itself mm-hmm. and you basically drop up into your heart center and then you have this like point of connection with your heart with like the wholeness of everything you have this like you know 20 or 30 minute journey where you realize that you can actually feel and and see and connect with the everything like the creation the creator uh that we're all connected and uh it basically resets your just everything like it's he's he mentions that there's um in within this 30 minutes you have all these different traumas that you've held all your life in your uh in your like different energies in your body so you're gonna have like all these kind of like twitchy reactions because that is that energy finally having Mm. a chance to release and release from your body so all these different things that you stored in your body uh, throughout your whole lifetime uh, or just leave you basically leave you and and a lot of different things the different programming that you've picked up throughout the years uh this is kind of running in the background that have, has remained uh you know unchallenged or or even like you just haven't had a chance to properly illuminate them become aware of them and and help them leave uh will just instantly just be like eradicated so you have this big giant reset and uh and apparently there's no like hangover or anything after like you mm. hear about so I, there's I no purge like you would with uh, mushrooms or ayahuasca or something? No, not as much. He said there's mm-hmm. a bit of spitting, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, so, because that's the first thing I asked. I'm like, am I going to, 
because basically you lose control not to lose control that's not the right phrase you uh like because you're more or less having an out-of-body experience and, and that wasn't the wording you used that's just what i might mm-hmm. you know my 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 uh interpretation of it so is you don't really realize what your body is doing for that half hour and that's why there's a guide there because you can start kind of flipping around and uh and so he said yeah he mentions that you can kind of spit or or this sort of thing but generally speaking i'm like because I, I straight up asked him i'm like am i gonna like shit my pants or like how would i even know he's like oh yeah like a bottom i forget what he called it it was pretty funny he had some official term for it like a bottom bottom excretion or something oh bottom excretion no you should be fine or something like that i'm like i'm like okay good so um but yeah there's about a half hour that you're just kind of like whatever in a so when is almost, when is right? this when are you going to uh, to get uh on this so i'm going adventure? for uh april 19th to 21st is what i got on the calendar right now and are you so, are you is there any way to keep preparing for this because i know when if you do like an ayahuasca ceremony there's preparation there's a certain dieting to follow what are you doing to plan mentally physically so mentally physically i'm going to make sure i'm 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 doing very well with my breathing like I, mm. I i'm doing a lot of breath work recently because uh, as you know from from enlifted that's a big part of it i was definitely a very guilty of doing the that like low mild stress response kind of breathing like the the chest breathing mm. or even freezing like you talk about the fight flight or freeze i do a lot of freeze mm. at my old job specifically a lot of things would be going on and i just held my breath and i didn't even notice i was doing it until you know probably the last six eight months so breathing will be big um the other thing there's so there's two different options about the way to smoke it so the the one way the natural way apparently is quite harsh on your lungs which i'm not super down for i did a lot of like weed weed smoking in my teenage years and 20s and and now when i do when i do have a little bit here and there i use a vaporizer just because i'm so sensitive to that so i did mention that to him because i didn't want to end up having this like respiratory and then you get all paranoid or like you don't even know what's going on so but apparently there's a like a more like i guess more of a synthetic kind of way to smoke it where you don't even notice it mm-hmm. he's like the only way you're going to know that it's even entering your lungs is just the fact that you're like you you get you know you get you, you have your uh your your you basically snap into like he's like you're not even going to know until mm-hmm. it start, starts happening you enter a different feel. state of mind yeah very much so yeah so uh the preparation will be that and uh, just watching as many videos as i can mm-hmm. on it just so i can have a good understanding of you know what to expect because mm-hmm. initially <laughs> i'm just it's it's, it's so uh, frightening but it's like good frightening right and like you know frightening is frightening can turn into excitement as soon as you wrap your head around it or get some more information about it yeah, man, right. fear like, fear is the motivation once you actually dive in. Right. And it's interesting. And I'd love to think, give this a little thought experiment. You know, you when something like that is uh is on the horizon and and uh and there's a lot of uncertainty around it, I imagine, of you know, how is this gonna affect me and what's gonna happen? You start asking all these questions. What if you didn't? What if you just allowed yourself to go and exist with this uh medicine and and see what happens. So the thing is that, that like, I think that's what it's going to eventually come to. Yeah. It's like, now I just have that curiosity, right. Okay. I need to learn more about it, but the, but the closer I get to it, I think it's systematic, especially when I get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the way that he described it is like, it sounds fantastic because like you, you get to stay there. I'm going to do it over a three day period. I think 
Uh, so there's three different stages to it and three different days that you do it over. So nine sort of trips, I guess, if you're journeys, we'll call it. Right? Wow. That's a, that's a proper term. Uh, so the first one is just like the, uh, like the, t- the taster, I guess, to kind of get used to see how your body reacts to it. Mm-hmm. The second one is kind of just getting up to the threshold to see where your tolerance is with it. And then the third one is the move. Let's do this. Right. So you do that day one, you can stay there. So I'm going to be doing a lot of just meditating. I've been doing a lot of meditating recently. So I guess that would be uh, another answer to your question. I've always done about, eh, you know, like those, like those micro meditations, like the five, 10 minutes, just trying to be yeah, still, still do some breath work. Right. Uh, but I've gotten into some pretty deep meditation where it's, um, you know, 35, 40 minutes in the morning and yes. 30, 35, 40 minutes in the evening. And I love it. Just love it. So uh, I'm going to be doing a lot of that leading into it as well. And that whole three days that I'm there, I just want to be like, that's all I'm doing. Like Present, no technology, yeah. journaling, and just uh, just get as much out of it as I can. So yeah, three days of, of doing. And you know what? If it ends up being two days and that's like my threshold, I'm perfectly fine with that too. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I was always super interested. I don't know how it is for you, but like I've always been intrigued by ayahuasca i shouldn't say mm-hmm. always i guess like the, since i knew what it was which is the last couple of years but yeah <laughs> the last couple of years i've been intrigued with the whole ayahuasca thing i don't know about you but have you done anything like that or no not yet and you know what's interesting we've had the last couple of guests we've had on this show we've we're not not even the last couple a lot in the last couple of years we've talked heavily on psychedelics um, especially recently, you know, last, last, the last episode I did, we interviewed, uh, Nate and he, uh, you know, he's a psychedelic integrator essentially. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, a few other friends of mine are getting into the same realm and, and it's, it's fascinating because growing up, you learn the, the you learn of the stigma of these you learn of the negative attributes of, of drugs and you categorize them all into the word drugs. Mm. I was having a conversation with someone recently. It was, it was strange. No, I can't say it's strange. It was interesting to me. Um, mm. Gave me a little thought. So the conversation was uh, was around uh, drugs in a way. Was, this woman has uh, deals with MS, right? The multiple sclerosis. Mm-hmm. And, and in a mild, mild form, but she also has other psychoactive effects, we can say, psychological effects, um, namely depression, anxiety, ADHD. So she's on medication for those things, Adderall, Wellbutrin, like the, the medications that help to level out your hormone system so that you can maintain um and it's a constant cycle on and off of these two things and one is a downer and one is an upper so it does it really help oh, and, and then yeah. she's 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 asking about sleep she's like i can't i can't fall asleep well she's taking 60 milligrams of adderall every day like that's a ton that's a lot mm-hmm. and uh and in addition to that, you know, the, that the stress, the anxiety, that's not really going away, right? You have to do work to make it go away. Certainly. Yeah. And so, and I asked her, have you ever tried cannabis? She said, no, that's a drug. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> oh man. And, uh, and I'm, I'm so interested because oh, man, she's in her late thirties, you know, I'm, I'm 31. I didn't touch cannabis till I was 27, 26. Like we would really start using it, you know, a little bit when I was younger. Um, and 
it struck me because I was used to believe the same thing. I was so against any concept, any drugs. And yet I would go to the doctor and get my antibiotics and I would get, I would take Tylenol anytime I felt a slight headache. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, now I won't touch any of that stuff. Those are, those are the bad drugs. Right. Um, yeah. And, and I'm, I am, I'm really all in on, on experimentation too. And, and my curiosity as well, like you described you, you, the research you're doing, it's, I imagine that's fueled by curiosity and, and knowing, you know, you, I, I imagine you're good at assessing risk and mm. good judgment, right? So you're not going to just dive into something if it's going to potentially kill you, right? If you could always do too much, right? Right. But with a lot of this stuff, you know, I, yeah. I've even heard with no, ayahuasca, a- you can do you can do a lot of, you can drink a lot of ayahuasca and you're, you're going to be okay. You might get sick, like your stomach problems and vomiting and shitting yourself basically. (laughs) (laughs) And I hear, I hear these stories sometimes of people down in these like ayahuasca retreat centers and, and they're just describing the fact that they're purging. Right. Um, but then they're dancing at night and it's wonderful. And, and I, I'm, I'm so curious. And I, yes, I'm going to get down, uh, down to South America at some point and do this. Um, I've been invited to a few ceremonies locally. There's a, there's a nice. shaman, there's a shaman in my area that, I, that a, f- a friend of mine was going to frequently. And, and uh, what was explained to me is, you know, you'll, when you're ready for it, you'll, you'll do it. Right. It, it, mm. It was presented to me multiple times and I didn't take advantage of it for whatever reason. Yeah. I, I will when I when I feel that call, you know. For sure, for sure. I, I, I would assume I would imagine that it has a little bit to do with like your your current situation with your family life too, right? You got a one one young one or a couple yeah. young ones? One, yeah, yeah. Just one. One. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I mean that's that the timing of that has to be yeah. like to a degree, right? You don't want to. I can't ship off for two weeks, like in, in right, like, right. Hey, I'm going to yeah. go to, I'm going to go to South America for two weeks and, sure. and get yeah. stoned in the woods. Yeah, exactly. But have fun. Take care. Yeah. Yeah. yeah not going to happen. It's uh, it's interesting. So one of the other, uh, these, one of these like frog medicines, I guess we'll call it is, uh, because you're talking about, sounds so attractive. Uh, cause you're talking about purging. So this, this guy, this gentleman, uh, from down in Vancouver as well was mentioning that you can take one. And it's literally just that, like you take it and it kind of does whatever it does in your body. And then you just start puking your gut. So, but apparently it's all all the, just your organs, anything like as soon as this, uh, this frog medicine enters your body, it just incites all your organs to release, like your liver to release all that crap. It's all these like toxins that you've been storing in your body and you just, just give her just puke it all up and it's like sometimes kind of like stringy and black looking and stuff like that i'm like the thing is like i hate i don't know about you i don't know about most people hate puking i definitely hate puking like it's not it's not definitely not one of my favorite things i've ever done it's not pleasant no no it isn't then you start like get the goobers coming out of your nose too and you can't breathe (laughs) because then your nose is is uh you know is is kind of excreting fluids as well and uh yeah i saw i was like you know what that sounds good and in, in in good to get all that stuff out of you but i don't Not know if i could handle yeah puking for like half an hour or whatever it may be i don't know if i could do that dude you know i what, I, what i've learned about frogs growing up is that they're going to kill you if you 
<laughs> if you if you mess around with their uh their secretion right is right. it is it actually it's like a secretion from a from a little toad or a frog is that what it, yeah 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 from? so it's it is so yeah and of course it's not like i'm just you know he passes you a frog and you're like ah, do the That's... homer simpson right just like, <laughs> when you when you originally yeah. said it said it i was like is he yeah. talking about like eating swallowing a frog because i've heard that too <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, okay, so the way he explained it is, is when these frogs secrete this special, you know, special medicine, we'll call it, uh, they, they're able to take it out and dry it out on this, like a pane of glass. And then that's when you, and then you can scrape it in and do whatever mm. else you're going to do with it, whether you smoke it or mix it with something to, to make it less harsh. wonder if that and, kills the potency. And if, it, if you have it when it's still moist, it'll kill you. <laughs> Right. Well, that's the thing, because like with the, the little bit of research I did, I, I do recall it being like it's very like you don't want to just grab this frog mm. and lick it because that would be very potent. Yeah, exactly. Mm. It would it would not be a good scene for you. So, yeah, I would I would assume that is the process. These mm -hmm. frogs are are. Um, and of course, because anything like this gets, you know, humans get involved in. So they have to like protect there's like certain areas that are protecting these frogs because you know the drug trade is getting into like you know smuggling them and grabbing mm. them and doing all these you know heinous things to these poor frogs right just to get the get their stuff off them i'm sure they try and excite them into secreting quicker and mm. you know weird weird stuff that only humans would do <laughs> so but yeah apparently they yeah they have some of these farms down in you know uh -huh. southern states that kind of just you know protect them and let them do their thing and they still get get mm. what they need off of them in a more humane way than than you know other ways the, the what i learned recently about about psychedelics that that fascinated me and i do a lot of uh, I, I study neuroscience uh, mm a lot these days and and you know i started getting into the whole biohacking thing too and and starting to learn about you know what's really going on inside like how does this stuff work and with a lot of these um these psychedelics especially the ones we ingest um you know psilocybin and ayahuasca and and i imagine with with this as well they they it doesn't really do much for the brain as it does for the stomach for the gut it's like uh, mm -hmm. someone described it to me as a stomach virus of sorts mm. and and it it affects the gut which affects hormone secretion and, and uh neurotransmitters to to fire and and while we think it's all up here you know in the the front of the brain the prefrontal cortex that that uh decides and dictates our visual system and what goes on inside it's it derives mostly from from the stomach and it reminded me of you know when i was a kid i used to get these really bad stomach pains like i would have um you know i i remember frequently going to doctors for uh to figure this out why my, why my stomach was so violently sick often looking back it was my shitty you know new york city diet um as a kid but but i remember sometimes to the point of hallucination you know you're uh, you know up at night and with, with stomach cramps wow. and, and you're getting these like wild visions and it affects like you get a fever from that and the fever causes mm -hmm. hallucinations sure yeah yeah that's crazy uh, the, I, the the connection between everything is is fascinating to me that's that's an aside good side note
that's what they're saying right like the, mm-hmm. the the they call the gut like the third brain like you got mm-hmm. your brain then the heart and then the third brain is like your 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 gut yeah. system right yeah which is pretty interesting stuff and you know that's a that's a you get, you get to get back to this the bufo that i'm doing that's it's like this connection point for all three mm-hmm. and realizing there's more to your heart and listening to your heart than than always <clears> just <throat> listening to your head right which is a bit a big thing for me like i i I have a very busy mind. I, I know for me, I'm, I'm you know, I, I imagine I, it's, it's similar or the same for everybody, but, but I've, I've always had a, just a, my mind has just been racing and it's just over mm. time, especially I used to take it back to, to my last six years at Save On Foods being, I guess, assistant store manager. The whole job is that fractured work, right? Where it's just like, you start something for, five minutes you get pulled away somebody needs you know it's all this like shallow work and, mm. and trying to trying to remember okay almost retracing your footsteps throughout the day and going back and you know it's 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 that kind of work for and then the phone's going off and then somebody's got to talk to you so everything is very reactionary and so somewhere along the line i uh i i shouldn't say lost my ability but i misplaced it for sure my ability to get really focused on on work i feel like i have this um this need for distraction in order to propel myself forward so if i'll start something i have this like uncomfortable something comes up this impulse and the only thing that i can feel i have to control it with is like my phone i go okay you know i i'm having this like like how you know for example okay so i was doing a grant proposal today and it's it's coming it's all i'm on the home stretch and like, you know, where it gets a little bit uncomfortable because you're uploading everything and, and some, some of the tech isn't working quite right. And you know how it goes. Like uh, it's always, it's, it's always hardest to start and it's hardest at the finish line. So mm-hmm. at the finish line, I'm right there. And instead of just like, you know, taking a couple of deep breaths, it's all good. Getting up, walking around. I'm just like, I deal with the uncomfortability by grabbing my cell phone going, okay, mm-hmm. he's texting me. Okay. Right. And taking myself out of the moment. And then hoping that that little dip, that little distraction, when I put my phone down, I can go back to what I'm doing with this quote unquote fresh start, right? Mm-hmm. When in fact, if anything, it's pulled me away and now it makes thinking, it worse. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. So, so I'm relearning how to do deep work, I guess is sort of the, mm-hmm. the, the, uh, the, the term that gets thrown around a lot that book deep work, which is good. Um, I, I didn't get all the way through it. So that's <laughs> something to hold on. My deep work apparently uh, uh but um yeah for sure like that's i'm so I, i've done done a lot of since i quit the job which is it's been it's been a pretty much 30 days now i think my last day was january 28th so it's been a month and uh i was finding myself essentially using the same work patterns with my career with my coaching business as i was with save on food. So I was booking myself with all these calls in a row. I'd have six or eight with not very many wiggle, not very much wiggle room in between or time to debrief. It was going, everything was going great, but I'd have no time to just go, okay, so what was good there? What can I work on? I would just be one to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. And I'm just looking at it and I'm like, so, you know, the, this, the same thing I was kind of getting unfulfilled or, or resentful almost towards my old job. I've carried that same behavior over to what I'm doing. And then mm. and I, now there's no like, oh, well, that's, you know, this job is expecting this of me. I'm like, no, I, I'm a hundred percent in control now. 
so it's been good it's been a, like a, a good experiment to to get back into creating these large blocks of time for me to be able to properly create you know I, I put my phone in the other room you know I do I do these different things I, I lock my apps after an hour mm. just, that's it right so I'm doing these different things that are um are are I'm slowly getting back to the ability to just, okay, this is what I'm doing for the next two hours. Mm -hmm. And if things get uncomfortable, you know, you can do a different, like do some breathing, get up, walk around the house, you know, change your state that way, as opposed to changing yeah. your state with like a, with Twitter or something, you know <laughs> what I mean? Something like that. Right. Which to your point is, is for the, for the worst. As you see, to, you end up seeking some gratification or uh, yes. When it, when it's up happening, you open, let's say you open Instagram, you open Twitter, you see one good post, and uh and that gives you a little um boost of dopamine and your response is oh i need more except you're even if the next post you see is better than the first one you're not going to have the same reaction mm. right because yeah there's always a decline yeah binary language acknowledge there it is is a fact when when you when you get one, you know, dose that's good that you're satisfied with in the moment, and you're like, "Hey, well, let me get another one." It's like a drug. The next one is never as good, right? And uh, and it's too bad because you're trying to go back to work where you need a little bit of dopamine so you could focus and look for results, and and you're not going to get it. And so, like that, that that's a that's a practice that definitely uh, would you'd benefit from doing something different and something I like. Um, is I, I just made a post about this this morning, all about um, being creative and how to uh, how to set your environment. And one of the big things mm. is one of the big things is boundaries of uh, of what gets to enter into your thoughts, right? Yes. Knowing what we know about like the reticular activating system, if something comes in, your mind might start focusing on that, and it can be useful if you're good at making connections and you can bounce back easily or you can integrate what you're you know everything that you see but for mm. the most part it's it's really challenging so like i have a you know i have a messy desk and that gets really distracting just because i see certain words right and words right create stories right and i don't want new stories to come in i'm focusing on this story yeah uh, so these boundaries are great and then um i've referencing this book the comfort crisis a lot but i love this concept of being bored more mm. this is a fun question i've been asking when's the last time you were just bored imagine yourself fourteen thousand feet above the earth looking out over the landscape below you you can see for miles and your team is right by your side you earned this view you put in the effort you committed to yourself and you followed through fit for adventure is an opportunity for you to cut off the distractions and put your mindset and your fitness to the test so you can come out a stronger leader on the other side You'll spend four days in the mountains of Colorado where you will practice outdoor skills and the art of leadership while building lifelong friendships and unforgettable memories. In life, there are so many distractions, 
and it can be difficult to go about your day without losing focus. When you're on the mountain, you can only focus on so much. Your feet under you, the trail ahead, and the team you have around you. And every time you look up, you are reminded of your goal, the summit. And your team, they're thinking the same thing. Fit for Adventure begins July 13th and is open to 10 coaches and entrepreneurs who are making an impact on their communities and who value freedom and seeking challenges in order to grow. You're invited to join, and as a listener, you can grab your spot for a $150 deposit. Please visit mysummit.academy slash retreat or find the link in the show notes to apply. Will you answer your call to adventure? So really? that's the thing. I, I, I now view meditation Mm. as that to a degree like in theory i don't get bored though because my mind is still there's so much going on um but i view sitting there uh, how, how to word this articulate this because i am i'm at the sort of the beginning of this this meditation mm. journey journey that i'm on now i always i got okay so i always thought that meditation would be boring what's what's more boring than, than sitting there silent Mm. not doing anything when there's so much you still got to get done right mm -hmm, uh, so much right yeah and it's uh of course that's what you're my everything's urgent right um but as far as like okay so actually going you know like oh man i'm like i'm bored there's nothing to do not that i i always viewed when i was like 14 or 15 like the summertime you know yeah. what i mean when you had the summer vacation and your perception of time like the, those three months felt like a year yeah. year and by the end of the summer, you're like ready to go back to school because you're just, okay, yeah, I'm ready. Like I've had enough time off. Mm -hmm. That's, that was, that's, that's what first comes to mind. Uh, since then, I mean, yeah, bored. I don't know. What, how, so, so the, the concept of boredom, like you put yourself in a position where there's literally nothing to do. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, okay. uh, meditation is a great way to do it. If as long as the set and the setting is proper, like you're, uh, you know, you're in a, a space that's really not distracting or even peaceful. Um, oftentimes I like to, in the summer, especially I live right by the beach. So I'll, I'll go down to the beach, walk around, sit, just, just be bored <laughs> and, uh, cool. and wonder what comes up, you know, what, what happens. I think uh, a lot of times we, we, we perceive boredom by picking up our cell phones or, you know, let's say we're in a, a room of people that we really don't like and and we're we're bored or they're doing something we don't want to do or we're for we i don't want to say we're forced but we end up going somewhere to do something with friends that we really are not interested in we perceive that as boredom as really disinterest and whatever other right. stories we're telling ourselves but true boredom is is different and what happens in in boredom is you get creative right imagine having you know, as a musician, you, you, you play a lot of different instruments, I'm sure. But imagine having a, a guitar and, uh, and you only got one string on it mm. and and you're in an empty room. And the only thing you have is your guitar. <laughs> you're going to get 
real fucking creative with that string. Sure. You know, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, sorry, yeah. just so I'm thinking, like, what would how do you how would you define boredom then? Because that's one of those words that I don't, you know, man. I love I love looking up dictionary definitions because it's like you, these words that over time take on this different meaning. So I yeah. love looking up. Do, do you mind if we do that right now? I want to see what the dictionary definition. I'm pulling up. Uh, I'm pulling let's it up it. right now. Let, let's do it. Because uh, that should shed some light on, uh, you know, if, if, you know, when the last time. I love the way that you're, you're impression of. I also want to go back into uh, talking about environment as well. Like Ooh, work okay. environments. I love that stuff, man. So the state of being weary and restless through lack of interest. Interesting. So that actually. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Weary or restless. I mean, sure, that's comes up the odd time like but uh, lack of interest though um that definitely ties into what you were talking about with, with the lack of interest when you're out in a social setting and you, you group yeah. mentality you go do something that you're not necessarily interested in right and then what happens like what happens when you're doing that do you figure out like something to keep you occupied mentally what's yeah what is with the yeah. whole the whole desire to to always be occupied you know always have something sure <laughs> Sure. Totally. That's a very good question. And, you know, that's why that's what kept me from, uh, I like you hear all these different things about why meditation is fantastic for you. And it has usually has them a more, uh, opposite reaction than what you'd expect it to. Right. Mm -hmm. As far as it's going to give you better ideas, it's going to make you more creative. It's going to make you more present, this and this, but in the meantime, the actual act of it to me sounded boring Mm -hmm. because you were just sitting there. And the thing is, go back into environment. I like what you're talking about as far as you have to set yourself up for success in a sense. You have to have a quiet room, uh, this and that. So what I what I felt to, that I had to do is like cut off my senses, essentially. I have mm-hmm. uh, um, like some nice meditation music, fairly loud with uh, noise canceling headphones. And I mm-hmm. actually wear a blindfold. Because without the blindfold, I'm super tempted to just kind of like sneak some looks every now and then, you know, and that totally yeah. takes you out of the moment. So the, the blindfold dude has been like a massive game changer for me. And I've also found uh, just a notes of meditation here for you. Uh, for me personally, and I like to see what you think about it uh, or what, what your, um, your, I guess, threshold is for it as well. Uh, it's about 20 minutes. I find 20 minutes is finally where the mind starts to like, you know, the, mm. the, the, the water stills enough that I can kind of start being the, uh, you know, the Eckhart Tolle talks about being the observer of your mind. And then, you, then I start kind of like, okay. And it was a, the, my first good one, probably three, four mornings ago. And what it was, my observation that I had was my mind was just like, okay, why are we sitting here? You got mm. this on, you got this to do. You still have a, the, this countdown, this deadline's coming up for this, this. Why are you just laying here? Mm. And then actually, I just realized that me, that, that isn't actually me saying that to, you know, it's me saying it to myself, but it's like my mind saying that to me. And then I got to the stage at about 20 minutes in where I was like, just kind of watching that behavior. And I felt detached from it. Mm. And because my body and everything was, was like, well, no, this is what we're doing now. But yet there was still this like inner chatter saying, get up, like, let's get going. Like it's 8am already. Let's like, it's, mm. you know, the day is, is already uh, started. And I had this, this actual detachment at that point where I was like, okay, hold on. Like, why am I saying this? And what is it about achievement that is, you know, so desirable? Like, why, why do you have to achieve things to feel good about yourself? Mm. Whereas I've had issues 
before enjoying the process. It's all about like the, you talk about the dopamine. So you achieve something, there's that quick little, ah, oh, yeah, there we go, mm. nailed it. And then it's like immediately your brain's like, okay, what's next? Well, what's the next, next to achieve? And then you're just it's like a ch- achieving machine as opposed <laughs> to like in the meantime, you're not enjoying what you're doing necessarily. That's when you're critiquing yourself and there's a lot of like, you know, negative bias and comparison and self-doubt and a bit of imposter syndrome. Then you get to this achievement mm. and then you're like, oh, there, it's all worthwhile. And then like five seconds later, you're like, hey, what's next? And so that was my, I had this very powerful shift where I'm just like, okay, it's all about, it's about doing not achieving it's about mm. it is about the journey it's not about the destination because those those before that the, those phrases were just words to me and they sounded great but i finally yeah. had this like mindset shift i'm like okay i get it now so you understood can, the meaning of that for you yes yeah that's right yeah exactly those are i love so, those cute those cute quotes like it's not about the yeah. journey yeah yeah uh, and it's like it's, a picture of a sunset or something like that. And some guy sitting on a bench. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those. And they're, they're great because people will say them and they'll not realizing that the, um, you know, the, the word not there is negating the rest of the set, the statement. And they're actually yeah. saying, say, really saying nothing. Um, so there's no, <laughs> so there's no, there's no effect. Yeah. Like, like right. we know how to use words to elicit something like to actually take action and people will say this and actually think they believe it. And yet their, their actions are the opposite. They're right. They're, uh, they're, they're living um, out of alignment with that belief, which, you know, that is a belief. Um, and so it's, it's, it's really interesting that you brought that up, that you had that realization and what, what does that mean to you? What, what does that mean for you to, to focus on the journey, to, to make it about the journey? It was, uh, yeah, a really good question. It, it, it gave me a lot of peace, actually. So it gave me a lot of peace uh, because I, a lot of my anxiety is based on future self, future Matt, future planning. The, I, I dare say the majority, if not like entirely, my, the anxiety that I feel is from future things that I perceive are going to happen. Uh, things that haven't happened at all. Haven't yet. happened at all. Right. Exactly. Right. So if I can, it's, it's basically the gateway for me to remind myself to stay present and stay, mm. you know, stay with what I'm currently doing and the achievement will then become the byproduct of me staying focused versus me, you know, looking, you know, a few kilometers that way. Okay. There it is. And then you're just fit to be tied and you're just spinning around and just go, okay, well, I just, I need to get there. You're jonesing for it. Right. So that's, that was, it's a lot more peaceful. So I've been, Mm -hmm. I've been working a lot more on that. And you know what it is? It's one of those things I was always trying to convince myself by using, like you say, these cute phrases and they would never, you know, negation, intentional negation, acknowledge they never landed for me. I knew what the energy was supposed to be for getting or hearing that or like acknowledging that but until you actually feel that and you can you can acknowledge it and you feel it in your body it's it's they're just words right mm-hmm. so so for me yeah that that meant um i guess permission i like what you mentioned that earlier so i'll go back to that it's a permission to enjoy the little things when i was younger i loved like and even even to like in relation in the context of my relationship with my with darcy 
I, I still, and even my band and different relationships with other people, I'm all about these like, little things, like making little things, these events, like making these, uh, you know, um, you know, turning everything into something, something seemingly trivial and making a big deal out of it, or at least amplifying it, not mm. make a big deal. But you get what I mean? Um, so, but with myself, I don't, I don't, I don't present that way for myself. So now it's just like it's it's calming down and enjoying what I would normally be like. Oh man, you're just spinning your tires today. This isn't progress. And just going, mm. you know what? All of this is progress. Like mm. even the stuff that feels like you're you're not making these big yeah i guess there's a difference like, as i'm kind of talking about this to you it's like the difference between these big giant strides towards this arbitrary uh mm. goal or or uh is, is now it's i don't i don't it's noise it's background noise it's it's out there whereas if i'm just working and keep my head down and enjoy uh and make like the same kind of uh relationship with myself that i do with others uh then i you know I, I, i'm feeling more myself that way because i used to be like that yeah. as a kid too like every like little thing you know if i'd have like i was playing with my toys i'd have these like month-long plot lines leading up to christmas with batman you know what i mean <laughs> and I do all these different things so i feel like a lot more ener like energetic imaginative and mm. um and yeah just remembering like what's what it's like to have that kind of uh give and take with yourself instead of just you know, as, as much as you, you want to say that you're not controlled by, you know, external circumstances, mm -hmm. it was something I'm, 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 I'm unlearning, right? Because I, it was yeah. definitely, it was definitely, uh, you know, goal. Okay. This is on my to-do list. Cross that off, cross that off. Right. And being so aggressive about it and not allowing any breathing room or space. So that is mm. a fairly long winded rambly answer. I hope, yeah. I hope that answered your question. Yeah, and and going if we, if we back up to the the question we talked about well, the the topic we talked about earlier about um, you know having something planned and you preparing for it and and, and you said there's like a dis defining moment like a before and after and there's like one sharp moment and and there's this like belief and I had this too that caused me a lot of anxiety is that you know I'm not really successful and I haven't made progress until that defining moment until until it passes like it's yeah like whatever i'm doing it's not good enough until this is this happens and totally man and what yeah. and i love that you brought up the whole idea of uh the you know the it being about the journey and that that whole saying and um and i was reminded of uh of this idea i, I wrote about recently is that progress is is a daily occurrence and <clears throat> And it's what it's what you take action on that equals progress. And and now, how can you measure that? Just truthfully, the the goals you set, even if they're tangible things, like they're actual physical things, like hey, one have a baby is a goal, buy a house is a goal, whatever it is. Mm. And, and those are definitely moments that occur, and they will happen. There's a before, there's an after, um, but but also leading up to that other things might happen as well. And, um, and there's less tangible goals and there's other mountains to climb. So find that, you know, you'll eventually find that one. What's the point of just chasing the next thing rather than enjoying the fact that you can do it, you can chase that thing or the, the identity you get to have when you're doing it, the person you get to be, those yes. things are, those yeah. things are much more interesting as yeah. well good point um, you know i i used i used to do a lot more i, I talked about endurance running races before i used to do a ton of like endurance races 
you know, nine or 10 different events throughout the year, maybe. And now it's down wow. to, now it's down to like one, maybe, maybe two. Um, and I would define that as like who I am because I thought it was cool. It was cool. It was pretty awesome. Like getting to do these things. Um, you know, you cross a finish line of like a 50 kilometer race. That's pretty cool. Or, uh, totally so, nice. something like that. But, you know, I, in between those events I, is where I felt um, anxious, depressed, stressed out, uh, unhappy, all of those things. And I didn't, I don't know why, because I was doing such cool shit, <laughs> but I was so focused on the thing that instead of the process, instead of who I got to become and what I got to do. And, um, that realization, that click in your head, it changes you, it changes you yeah. a lot. You get, yeah. you give your, you get the permission again, to, to be imaginative, to have fun, to yeah. embrace, embrace failure and, and mistakes and learn. Totally. Yeah. Tell me yeah. more about your coaching, man. Cause you, you, you alluded to it slightly up mm. until this, up until this point, you're a, you're an mm. assistant grocery store manager. Yeah. And you're also a musician, right? sometimes and you get to be a coach as well so talk about these talk 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 about the music first, first. like um sure yeah. what do you what do you do with music so yeah for sure yeah again you get kind of get into the, the different identities here so my <laughs> music was uh i always had this you know binary acknowledge i always had this uh this fascination of being you know, the point person in the band. So when I started 16, I was like sort of the, uh, the de facto leader, I would mm -hmm. think, uh, and the singer, right? So I want to be singer, guitar player. Uh, so I started with that. And that's just simply because I, I enjoy the, the full thing. Like I, I, I got into audio engineering right away. Mm. Uh, I like the singer. I like the songwriting aspect. I like I wanted to be able to sing. I all my my favorite musicians like Eddie Vedder, Bruce Springsteen, guys like this. I just those are the guys I related to. And honestly, dude, mm. it was uh, the actual like the songwriting and, and the singing part specifically helped me get through uh, like the divorce and get you know some of the bullying that I experienced when I was a, a young teenager. Like I'd say from fourteen to eighteen specifically, it helped me process in a safe spot with some degree of like you know i can even have a, a veil of, of fiction upon it mm -hmm. you know you kind of write it you know a lot of the great writers write about the personal experiences but it's like mixed in with some fiction so you can't be like oh no because when people don't like are you do you feel that way you're like no nah, man it's just, just a, a song like, it's, yeah it's just a song right <laughs> meanwhile it's entirely like it's like a journal entry with a little bit of fiction kind of you know draped in front of it right ornamentation yeah ornament yeah totally totally so that was a good way for me to express myself in a what I viewed as a safe way uh in a, in a creative way like in an artistic way so I really like identified with that mm. so that was that's how I viewed myself is like you know the uh, you know being the, the the troubled uh dark artist teenager brooding teenager that you know got to be like a, all super deep and, and write you know all these songs right so I very much related to that. I loved the, I, I mean, I grew up with the nineties grunge. So I was big into, uh, if you really, if you look at that scene, it was actually very dark. Like it, mm -hmm. was, it had some great music, but I mean, a lot of, you know, drugs, like drugs, yeah. drugs, like heroin, like, you know, a lot of, a lot of deaths came out of that, that time period. And, and you listen to a band like Alice in Chains, it's all about like hard drug use and feeling suicidal. And okay. there was suicide, Kurt Cobain. It was actually a very dark, 
uh, yeah. period in music, but that's what I grew up on. So that's where I really identified with uh, kind of burying your soul and being this dark musician. <laughs> right. So, so that's how, uh, that's how I was, I guess, more or less raised as a musician. And um, yeah, so I always use it as a, uh, a way to express the inner me. And I also liked just the idea that you can use fiction because from fiction, I always liked a guy like Stephen King, where you can almost create these your own universes. Mm. So, so from there, I'd always have these like threads and all the albums would sort of have this like thread and callbacks to characters. So I almost mm. created this like world of, a, of expression that was essentially me as the protagonist, right? But I have these different, uh, you know, different things that uh, have happened. So I've, I've done that specifically on this last project I've, uh, I've been in ground level falcons the last 10 years have essentially just been like a, this like based on like the dynamics of a relationship mm. and uh and the heartbreak they can come in coming out of heartbreak and uh it's loosely not so loosely based on myself and darcy uh because darcy and i had a we've been together 15 years but we had two years that we were apart uh we actually broke up so a lot of the narrative that I've had throughout the albums have been basically parallel mm. to Darcy and mine, which is super cool. She's essentially been my muse in that sense. And, you know, everybody can relate to a binary acknowledged. Everybody can relate to, <laughs> I mean, a love song really strikes people, right? Relationships, the dynamics yeah. of relationships. And uh, then the next album that I'm writing is actually about brothers. So I got an older brother, Josh. And I, I, there's a Bob Dylan album called Blood on the Tracks. That's yeah. all about, I want to say that's about his, there's something to do with like his, his brother. There's a, it's very interwoven. It's been a long time since I read about it, but that gave me some inspiration. I'm like, okay, I've been doing this like muse of like relationships specifically around Darcy and, and all that, but I want to do something about like my brother now. Like, so mm. I have this like whole storyline that goes into this. It, all the albums are, you know, for lack of a better term, concept record. I know it kind of makes people cringe, but I love the idea of like an album that plays, you have to play it front to back in sequence because it literally tells <laughs> a story. And, you know, it's just, it's, uh, you, you need to hear the story, right? So I've always, that's how I've written music as well. Mm -hmm. Like I've, I've viewed it as like, it, it's so much you can do with music, dude. I'm, and I can relate. You can, it was like painting a picture. Um, you know, it's, it's like a movie. You can make a mini movie if you truly want to go that route. So I always do like the, uh, like how Pink Floyd does like the, the, uh, the in-between song stuff is some of my favorite stuff. So you have Ooh, your song. Yeah, like their interlude like, kind of yeah, music. Yeah, totally. I love that stuff, man. So that's like the currency you deal with is like your songs, right? You got your singles and yada, yada. Mm -hmm. But in between where you can have those jams and the atmospheric stuff and just like it just that's mm. the glue that holds it holds it all together and that's where you can get that subtle more nuanced emotion in there dude i love that stuff so that is uh that's how i express you could myself. curate a whole that's, journey with for yeah, someone with that it, totally totally so i've gotten into yeah. i just got a, a certification in sound therapy so i'm getting mm. uh, very into like uh creating like you know the like a, a bed of pink noise and then doing the nice kind of synth and you know, the, 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 the nice sort of like meditation music, essentially, right? I'm getting into that. And then, okay, what can you do with that that hasn't been done before? Because mm. people think about that. It shows up on like apps like Calm or like Mind, Mind Valley has an app, a great app for a meditation music. But so what can you do with that? So I have this concept that was actually, I was just creating today was uh, writing, uh, just finalized a grant proposal to do uh, this story based on like, you know, I have the seven chakra energies. Yeah. And uh, they each have like a, a associated frequency uh, for like the healing of them. Right. So, and they have a different color. And so there's all these different things that are associated with that. So I'm going to tell a story 
where there's like each there's the seven songs for the seven chakras and there's like a, a person the idea is like that uh these people get like i kind of like stole the idea from like uh the hateful eight so these like seven mm-hmm. strangers get snowbound in the cabin and uh you know they basically have to confront their their fears so every character has something to do with like say the root chakra they have a, mm. uh, a rest, restless nature to them so they have an out of balance cho- uh, like root chakra so that is their personality trait that has been uh you know out of alignment so and they have to all kind of intermingle and kind of uh, come out with the these like maladies that they have and it's like a, a journey through the seven chakras and then the seventh person happens to be a you know an enlightened person that's kind of the observer that that, that uh, represents the observer and uh you know and it kind of tells the story and then i can have like a uh just a voiceover over top of this instrumental otherwise instrumental music and tell like mm. literally tell like an audiobook story over top of it and then the second half of the album is just the instrumental extended versions of the songs they're about 10 minutes so you can use it for like going to sleep or meditation or whatnot mm. whereas the other ones are more of a sleep track where you can like because that's a fairly big right now and i i quite enjoy it as well as when you hear like a meditation music and then some guy just reads a, a fictional story it's yeah. a guy that has like a nice voice like this <laughs> makes you fall asleep so yeah i'm getting into that right so you know just yeah that's i love that and you know not to go too much of a tangent but i want to get into like i think the future of music is is in with like the whole nft universe because with that yeah. you can take uh you can release this as an nft collection right so each person that's a, that's a character is at, like they basically you play the song and you see this like the the persona of the character come up and mm. has like the write-up about them and then you can do this whole you know this whole extra over and above thing with with the nfts kind of you know integrated into it so that's where my brain goes with it i, I love mm. the uh the full body creativity that can come with it and uh to me like as soon as i put the framework of like a plot line or something up the songs just start coming to me because i'm yeah. like okay this will be this song or this part of the movie quote unquote that's mm. what i'm writing to so as soon as i, I give myself this pretty elaborate framework and then everything just sort of drops into place so that's uh, that's my like musician identity i guess mm. I, dude I, I love it man i love i like i go you know go to the the mountains and that's where i'm that's where i write my lyrics i do i, I do the kind of the Ernest hemingway thing i have a lot of alone time mm-hmm. and and uh you know before i would have alone time with like a beer a couple beers you know what i mean but now i'm just like i'm out of that so alone time with my bubbly water and uh <laughs> and just write the lyrics and just like let it come to you right beautiful so yeah dude so that's uh that's the musician side um kind of talked about the uh you know the the career part so the coaching yeah so the coaching um was it basically came out of the fact like so the last six years as mentioned assistant store manager i i felt a shift because you know i turned 40 last summer so those last six years specifically, you see this new crop of people coming up and I was very much enjoying having the opportunity to truly feel like a mentor. I'd never felt that before. So I was very much enjoying that, that, that side of an identity and, and cultivating that. And that was something that I never viewed myself as, you know, negation acknowledged. I, I don't know. I just felt like I'm just me, right? I didn't, I didn't mm. identify with, I didn't necessarily identify with it. Uh, and then I started kind of playing around with it. Like we were talking about you sort of experiment, certain situations allow you to start experimenting with these different sides of you. And I, I started really identifying with that and, um, and realizing what kind of a difference you can make when you're in a position of authority, where, pe- where you're a point person, you're a destination person for people to come to. I, I really started 
wrapping my head around what that actually means and what you know what what people's perceptions of you are and kind of playing around in that that zone so coming out of that I yeah when I took my leave of absence I was just I wasn't feeling overly fulfilled with the job anymore and you know I'd never taken anything more than like a couple weeks off at a time so I, I I asked for six months off I got six months and um you know on morning one I remember I woke up and there's been a few times in my life that I've had like a very strong voice that almost doesn't feel like mine. Like that mm. just hits, hits me with something. And morning one, I had uh, a voice that went, you're, you're not going back to that. You're, like, you're done. Mm-hmm. I was like, whoa, that's kind of weird. <laughs> like I'd never even thought of it like that. I'm like, okay. So anyways, I, you know, by, I think morning, morning three, I remember I took out this huge uh, nature walk and, um, I just had this huge creative outburst of, uh, of all these ideas that I'm assuming were just sitting inside of me that I hadn't, uh, I just hadn't given my, again, when we were talking about like the space, I hadn't given myself the space to just think about it and just release. Right. Um, mm-hmm. so that's what happened. I just, I just started riffing on all these ideas and I had my cell phone with me and just was like doing this voice recorder for about a couple hours of just, and I can do this and this leads into blah, blah, blah. And just kind of going, going off mm-hmm. about it. And, yeah, before you know it, um, you know, fast forward about a month and a half into uh, my leave, I, I ended up getting introduced to Mike Schwartz. So, you know, from uh, Lyft. Mm-hmm. So he was a guy, he had me on his podcast, but it was one of these deals where like, we didn't end up having the interview because as soon as we met, we just talked for three and a half straight hours about like everything, like, you know how he is, like super personable. Yeah. And, um, and he, I kind of told him what I was, what I was up to. And at that time I was making this, uh, this online course, I was creating an online course. I'm like, I, I wanted, like, yeah, I just, I need something like kind of like compliment that. And he's like, you got to look up this guy, Mark England. I'm like, mm. okay, sounds good. So, you know, within 24 hours, I'm on a call with Mark. And then yeah. within a week I'm on in, you know, in lifted level one. And then after that, everything became very clear. So it was very mm. much a case of like, you know, that when the student is ready, the teacher appears and me just being sort of open. Like I was just open to whatever kind of, wherever the, the wind blew me. And, uh, and then by the time I was done, uh, in lifted level one, I was kind of coming up to my, my end, my, my leave of absence. And I realized like, I pretty much run out of, run out of money that I'd saved for that leave of absence. So it's kind of, okay, am I going to, uh, am I going to like this? What am I going to do here? Am I going to like sell my car so I can keep doing this? And I decided, you know what, let's do a little bit of overlap. I'll go back to work. Um, I was able to, you know, and then at that point, like kind of go out on my own terms as well, instead of just kind of doing the Irish goodbye, just leave and, and not come back. I was able to come back and, you know, do a proper kind of, I guess, like exit tour, as it turned out it was, right? At the time though, I was going to stay for another year, a couple of years and build my coaching practice up in the background, right? And have this overlap. Uh, but what what happened is I ended up uh, taking level two and lifted. And uh, it was, you know, Mark, with his presentation skills, the end, like the climax that he built to at the end of the grad call of level two was so profound that as soon as he finished it, I just, I like, as soon as I hung up, like I was like tearing up and I mm. slammed my my hand on that. I'm like, I'm, that's it. I'm done. I'm quitting tomorrow. This is what I'm going to do the rest of my life. That is it. And uh, just what he, what, how he did it was like, he had this, uh, he did this share screen of this video from a guy from like a, a concert performance at Sasquatch Festival. And it's just this guy doing like the crazy dancing. And he's like by himself. And clearly, oh. I, have you seen this video? Yeah, I know the video you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, right? So obviously this person <laughs> is filming them to like make fun of this person. 
But then by mm -hmm. the end, what they've captured is this insane video where, you know, you know, about a minute in, two people are dancing with them. By the end of the video, there's literally like hundreds of people over there. And then Mark stops the screen share. And, you know, the analogy, the metaphor being like, just do your thing and your, your people will find you. Mm -hmm. And then he's got his abracadabra token out, like that business card thing he's got. He's like, yeah, he's tear he's tearing up and he's doing that by the power vested in me. <laughs> and I'm looking at the, the screen and everybody's like so emotional and I'm starting to tear up. And then he's like, just like, hold the rhythm. He says something else like, good luck stopping the power words. It says a couple like really profound things. And then, you know, him, he just kind of like hangs up and I'm yeah. just sitting there for a second. I was like, and I was like, that's it fucking do this so yeah it was uh that that was that was the uh the turning point for me and I, I remember listening to that song i figured out who the artist was and i was listening to that song pretty much mm. like non-stop just to try and like, relive <laughs> that that feeling i had and uh yeah and yeah that's it dude that's uh mm. that's where i am with it so i um i i'm just going go all out for it um i'm doing that yeah the strong coach program now i love the strong coach as soon as i like i i knew about the hero's journey before but yeah. after watching Finding Joe, that documentary, yeah. but highly recommend it to anybody who's listening. Like, check it out if you haven't already. It's, it's amazing. But getting into that and then just kind of like, you know, finding these different times in my life that I've done the hero's journey. And now, dude, it's like if I go to the fridge to grab a drink, that's like a hero's journey. I'm like, OK, yeah, down the hallway, that's like my inner cave. You know, <laughs> I mean, like, I've seen it everywhere. Like you talk about the reticular activating system. So I'm, I'm like all in on this now. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and that's what I like. I, initially, I was going for um, like recovery coach. I really wanted to help people that had gone through addiction, specifically alcohol is, is my big one. My, you know, my uh, white whale that I you know had to overcome. Mm -hmm. um, but now I'm thinking it's like even bigger, like bigger, like into like. I'm thinking, you know, the recovery, like identity recovery in a sense, like people that are like coming up a long-term codependent relationship, right. Where they've misplaced or they've sort of lost their identity in that sense. They have to recover it. Uh, people that are even entering retirement, you always hear about, yeah, I like the whole idea of the third act. Like, transition, like, transitional, transit, transitional yeah. people. Right? So uh, people that are like, going through what i'm doing as far as like there's a huge like great resignation they're calling it right now there's mm. so many people quitting their jobs betting on themselves there's that energy right now right and you know, there always has been but like specifically now it's becoming very amplified coming out of covid i'm finding i noticed and, um, um i noticed when i was I, I i was doing a lot of uh a lot of client interviews and getting to know uh getting to know like what what's the big problem what's like the big gorilla that's out there right now and mm -hmm. and a lot of the people i i got to talk to mostly professionals corporate professionals entrepreneurs um and anywhere from age like 30 something to 50 something and mm. all of them had this same like the same theme and it was uh transitional they're they're moving mm. from one thing in their life to another thing whatever that may be like uh, yeah. Some of these guys were like um, edging on retirement, right? They were at their job right. for a long time or realizing that they're no longer fulfilled. Like things are just not going the way they, they Im imagined um, or, you know, they're literally on the verge of just doing something completely different, like got to quit their jobs or something like that. So that was yeah. one big theme. And then the other thing, the other theme I noticed with people, with these types of people, because there's definitely a, that was definitely a type. The other thing I noticed was that they all have this desire, this burning desire to leave a legacy. 
and do something, mm. do something really purposeful. Like they, they were afraid, like their biggest fear was leaving the earth and being forgotten. Man, that's profound. That, that struck me, that struck me a lot because it, obviously I relate to it. I've been through transitions in, in my career and my life and, um, and now I recognize every everything as a transition. Like I'm getting to transition right now, but but more importantly, the the purpose, the meaning, the the, the what you leave behind, that legacy, and and that ties so much into identity. You know, that ties into um, you know what you're remembered as, your reputation. You get to yeah. you get to create that. You can dictate that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. As a as a recovering um, alcoholic, you can go about your life and change that about you you can simply just become a person now not not a, yeah. no longer a recovering alcoholic 30 right. years later like dude you got over it what are you now yeah yeah <laughs> right yeah no exactly how are you yeah, how are you it. how are you planning on coaching how what's what's your uh what's your thing what's it look like who's your who you're looking for so I'm like, yeah, you know, I was, I was honestly looking if I were to narrow it down, I've been thinking a lot about this, obviously. Uh, yeah, I was thinking like you said, like the 31 to, to 51, I initially had put down just from, just from phone, 28 to 44, kind of in that age range could be male or female. Um, you know, and uh, yeah, absolutely. Like you were, the, I love the word transitional. I said like pivoting, like pivoting mm -hmm. somewhere in your life. It's a pivot point that you've reached. It very much ties into the hero's journey, right? It's that that act one, there's a calling, there's an intuition, there's something in the pit of your stomach that's making you want to change. Yeah. But you're just not really sure what that looks like. And part of, if you recall, part of the calling, the act one of the hero's journey is a refusal. It's like, you don't want to do that. It's like, it's, you're a little reluctant at first, right? So and then there's like the mentor that comes in. So I want to be the mentor, essentially. Now, mm. as far as uh, what my program looks like, I'm glad you brought that up. It's, uh, so I started, it's called Recovery Roadmap. And so initially I had started it as I got about halfway through a 30-day course mm -hmm. that I'd done the, you know, the filming for the, the project as such. Um, and then realized it was, it's very challenging to advertise like on Facebook and uh, YouTube specifically for that theme for like addiction or alcohol recovery. And I, uh, you know, at the time I was like, you know, I kind of wanted to do some more with this anyway. So if anything, it made me pivot and kind of call an all audible. Mm -hmm. And I was at the beginning of January. I had it set for January 1st release. Cause uh, you know, new year's resolutions with the stopping drinking and all that. So, uh, and I did a, an, not an audiobook, an ebook, which is basically like a 45 page confession. It's called recovery roadmap as well. Mm -hmm. It's like my confession, which is also accountability tool for myself because I've come clean about yeah. my drinking, right? It's sort of a, an itinerary has like a bit of, you know, the fear and loathing in Las Vegas meets, you know, whatever the, the hero's journey of, of that, I guess, mm. uh, whatever that may look like. So that was kind of my, uh, my, my whole uh, tale of drinking. Right. And so that was sort of all part and parcel of that, but now looking at it, I, uh, I'm, I'm definitely going to be leaning into, uh, I've revamped the, uh, the online program that goes along with the coaching. So it's a coaching package, say five or six, uh, mm. coaching calls, one-on-one -on -one coaching calls with this, uh, this 21 day, uh, online course that you can take, which mm. very much is a lot of the stuff that we've learned in and lifted. So it's cleaning up your language, 
I'll, the module one is confronting your ego, essentially. Okay, mm -hmm. so what what kind of behaviors have you left unchecked? So like checking your ego at the door, uh, getting through that first, and then you get into your language part. And then it's called uh, the uh, the going inside. So that's when you start learning about uh, you know, the breath work, uh, some meditation, yoga, some of these different things that are they're helping you really get back inside your, your own self and kind of reinvent yourself in that sense, right? And then module four would be the essentially the rebirth, right? It kind of follows that same pattern, the, the hero's journey pattern. And the fourth is like all about integration. That's when you're getting into celebrating the wins as well. Mm -hmm. Goal setting, because you've done all this inner work. Now you've removed all this negative or stagnant or stuck energy. And now you have that energy. You can actually do some proper goal setting because you've you've mm -hmm. made the, you, you've done the work, right? So out of that, you become goal setting. And then from there, you can, we, it's easy to pick up a secondary program and kind of go from there. So that's what I'm looking at, dude, is, yeah. is again, I like to kind of connect the dots of everything that's sort of going around in, in my head and in my life. And then the fact that I'm, you know, just a few steps ahead of somebody mm. that would be starting the program, that means it's still very fresh <laughs> and very new to me as well. But oftentimes the, some of the best coaches or mentors you can find are people that are just a little bit further up the road than you really, right? Like, hey, you know, it's a... So that's kind of what I'm, what I'm banking on. Yeah, I do that, that, that concept um, has, has struck me because that's, that's what, uh, you know, that's what they'll teach in the strong coach is to be a, a week or two out ahead of your clients and, um, and stay one step ahead. And, and you may imagine that as, you know, being, you know, you get to be present right? You get to be uh, there for what's happening now and then curate the rest. Most of it, and this is, this is really how we would, you know, how I would coach somebody like one-on-one -on -one is like, I wouldn't, I would not negation acknowledge, I, I set up like six months out exactly what you're going right. to do. Right. Yeah. Because I don't know what's going to happen. Like you might, yeah. you, you might get into an accident and end up not being able to do things for months. And then what you're behind or, Right. And, and then I have to backtrack, but I just did all this work or, uh, or I don't know how you're going to handle it. Like, so, like what I've noticed is, is as I'm coaching people, like some people will pick things up really quickly and then other things they'll struggle with, they'll take time. Um, and so, uh, what I've done to, especially in my, in my coaching is, uh, learn how to meet people where they're at, not just in the beginning, but every single time right and and we have this like reevaluation method so we week over week if i get on a call with somebody you know we do we do wins we we do gratitude we we talk about what's what challenges came up what what was difficult this this time what was difficult with this topic with this content we just did okay and then you know what that gives me a new opportunity to come up with a new solution to this problem right where where i might go into it with like like mark mark usually says when you go into story work like you got a plan then you got a backup plan then you got you have all yeah. these different routes to get to from yes. a to z um yeah. and and i like to i like to have multiple options and then also just wing it <laughs> because truthfully and i imagine you feel this too you know over your um the course of your journey you've you've done a lot of different things and some of them are relevant for people and some of them may not be right now so how could you possibly create something for someone else months and months ahead of time right and it's an interesting objection that i hear from people in, you know in a sales conversation like 
Um, Cause I explained this process, like, you know, we're, everything's going to be built to you, like curated. Um, we have themes, right? There's things we're going to do. There's certain things that we're going to do. And, and if we're in a group, right, we're all, you know, on the same path essentially, but for the most part, what you're going to be learning is based off what you're having problems with. Totally. Not, yeah. not based off what I did that worked. Sure. Which is the yeah. difference between the coaches that, that stay, you know, surface level, right? Mm -hmm. The, the really boring, uh, use, use the word boring, the really boring things to problems. Like, you know, I've been in the fitness industry forever. Like I need to lose 10 pounds. That, that, mm. shit's, that shit's boring to me now. Yeah. Um, it's also boring to the person who's doing it. Cause they're going to, they're going to get there super fast if they stick to it. And then what, what did they right. actually, what did you actually gain? But, yeah. but then actually going deeper and, and fixing, right. Tinkering. Mm. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I like how you laid out your four phases, your four parts of this. Thank you. Are those are those um, themes that you see in your life? Like you had those both periods in your life that reflected each of those phases. Is that where that comes from? Yeah, I think so to a degree. I don't know if it's exactly that sequence. I think that honestly, I think they're kind of things that I'm I'm passing through mm. still. Like they're still like I'm still working on that language, right? Gotcha. I'm still, you know, I'm still I very much working on the ego side of things so yeah. i like this i like the sequence it makes logical sense it has a journey it has a good flow yeah. to it uh as far as uh you know it, i don't know i i feel like i'm still passing through mm -hmm. all four of these mm. so, and i constantly going back in so that's why it, i framed it as similar like i kind of use it more as the framework of the hero's journey, which of course you continually go through the rest of your life as well. So yeah. in that sense, it's, it's something you can always go back to as well. The, the, the content as in lifted does, or, or, you know, even strong coach, it stays evergreen in that sense. You can go back right. in and do it again and get something different. I know you, you, I'm sure you remember Mark always mentions to go do vocabulary again. It'll be a different mm -hmm. course the second time you do it. Yeah. So in that sense, I, I, I feel like I'm still working on, all four of these it's going to be a great uh you know program for myself to continually run as well it, yeah it's uh yeah so it's not something that i feel is um you know it's i'm not finished with it and it's not finished with me yet mm, if, that, like if that. that makes sense yeah okay rapid fire questions we'll finish up sounds good man a electric soil podcast where'd that yeah. come from? where'd that come from the name so there's a there's a quote and i want to say it's beethoven uh, so he said, uh, music is the electrical soil of mm. which the soul and the mind communicate something along those lines. I'm paraphrasing, but I loved, I remember reading it in, uh, in chapters I was in there and I was just flipping through a musical, a book of musical quotes. And that one came up and just the words electrical soil <laughs> and just the context. I'm like, that's so cool, man. It's so spacey and kind of psychedelic sounding. And, uh, and I feel, again, when we look up the dic the dictionary definition of electrical is like electric is like that, that in the sense of like that feeling, the feeling that there's like an electricity in the air, mm. right? Where you're just like, you're, 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 the hair in your arm is standing up. Something's and then there. Soils, yeah. It's like something is there, right? And it's like, it's that X factor, that intangible. It's like, it, it promotes curiosity, right? Which is a perfect name for a podcast in that sense. And then mm -hmm. soil is like, you know, the foundation, like something that, that, growth growth essentially yeah. 
yes the the, the cultivation whole yeah. cultivation the whole podcast is growth mindset podcast mm-hmm. so the two of them together i just felt were uh fantastic this kind of a, a strange mm-hmm. wordplay it hasn't necessarily uh this isn't sorry i'm going to get away from <laughs> rapid fire but it's one like it doesn't help the when people are searching through the podcast like you see electrical soil it's like or electric yeah. soil it's kind of like what is this sort of thing so that hasn't helped me on that sense but <laughs> but i like i like the type has it has it helped you though in that sense it could have it could that, have. Could, that could spark some curiosity yeah right who's who's been your favorite guest so far uh oh good question or, or even good not question. even guest but favorite conversation so far favorite conversation so a couple for different reasons i'll, I'll bring up the, the two that come to mind right away uh it's a guy named jimmy song and he was a he's a bitcoin expert like he does bitcoin programming and he's full full bore into it and he's a he's a really charming charismatic asian dude that wears like a cowboy hat so and he was just like dude he was he was such a yeah very very much a character and I, it was right as i was getting into like cryptocurrency so mm-hmm. it was for me it was uh it was it, very interesting because he just everything you needed to know about just bitcoin and the future of money and just the whole everything about it he had so much information of and just yeah just such a charming charismatic dude so he would be one jimmy song mm. um let me think let me think there's been a lot of great ones uh, this lady uh katie chinakis was a fantastic interview uh just such a uh creative mind so she's uh like a musician, total like Renaissance lady, right? Like musician. Um, she has mm-hmm. a podcast. She's an actress. Uh, she's a painter. She's a poet. Like just the full thing. So just to to get sort of behind the scenes of her creative process, we got very nerdy about just creation in general. So she was a fantastic interview. Um, I had Mark England on after I just met him. So I'd only known him for like 48 hours. So and he, did his, he did the full on Mark England mode, like the whole, okay, write these, you know, write these yeah. soft talk words down. And he did like, you know, he's, he's got that down to a science, that, that presentation. So yeah. he, uh, he shook me. He, he made me feel uh, <laughs> like I have, I have a lot of work to do, but in a good way. It wasn't like intimidated, but I was like, dude, yeah. this guy is kind of shit together. He's intense. He's intense. He's intense. Yeah. Um, you know, and then I was like analyzing everything I was saying to him because like, I'm like, now nah, I'm starting to like look for negations and the soft talk words. I'm like, damn it. And then as soon as you start kind of thinking about it, you, you start doing it. So yeah, those three for sure. Uh, I felt like the last three or four months specifically, like everything's really clicking on the show. Just, uh, just guests are just, it's, it's almost like a tap. I can just turn on the tap and like, I got this fantastic network of guests like I, I very much enjoyed not blowing smoke i very much enjoyed having you on the show that was a Thank fantastic you. interview yeah dude like your uh your presentation skills and your uh just your demeanor you're so calm and easy to listen mm. to which for for a storyteller is very desired because it's you know you keep that that nice cadence mm. and it's like yeah and so you can you, you allow the person that's listening to really soak it in mm. and process it so as a conversationalist as a storyteller uh, dude, not again, not blowing smoke, negation, acknowledge you are second to none as far as what I've who I've had on the show. So thank you for for your you being a guest as well. But yeah, just the last few months, dude, it's really uh really come together. Um one other thing, sorry, one other guest. I know this is supposed to be rapid fire again, but uh <laughs> uh I had this uh this company called AI Influencer come on, and they okay. basically did this like 
yeah, kind of infomercial type deal, but like I felt cool because I got to control the questions and everything as a host should. <laughs> uh, and they, yeah, they're kind of talking about this whole new way of, of internet marketing. And it's all, uh, it's all based on like, so instead of having like this influencer, like a Paris Hilton, everybody thinks of like these yeah. high up celebrity uh, influencers, it's all about having these like micro influencers, people that have like a really loyal thousand people following and, you know, getting into this network of these people and just, uh, you know, have this pool of money like in amongst those people and those people can help you get to the next level. So using the influencer idea, but on like a very smaller micro, micro level. like an like, image, like a, in a niche, right? That's a, yeah, exactly. That's in a interesting. Niche and, and also like, again, just having people that have like, you know, a thousand super loyal followers that mm-hmm. will, you know, promote you. And all of a sudden you got these a thousand people that are like, Oh wow. Okay. Well, I really like this person. So I'm, you know, mm-hmm. so I, I, I love that idea. I think it's very progressive and it's, uh, that's, so a, it was, that's, it was a that's Mark England essentially. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's how these, that's how these, uh, I mean, that's, I imagine that's how a lot of, a lot of things happen as they start in that way with right yeah almost a cult a cult following yes and yeah, then that no. turns into assuming your messaging and your uh, you know the the culture is appropriate it spreads and look at look at um you know the way strong coach does things mark is doing things mm-hmm. um, i don't know if you know much about crossfit look at how that turned turned up um, over the years, like one person taught a few people and then all of those people taught millions of people. Yeah. Right? And right. that's, that's, that's what things, that's what it's turning into. I, I, uh, somebody told me this, this quote recently, uh, like history doesn't repeat itself. It rhymes. And so every, oh wow, every iteration of a thing is some, has some resemblance of the of previous, right. The previous iteration. Yeah interesting and, and uh you know talk we could get on tangents all day but i, I love this i love talking about this topic a couple of years ago i had this um i i just got in front of a camera and started drawing on a whiteboard and talking because that's how i like to think through things sometimes mm. and i thought thought through this idea of what i call the meaning of life man like the purpose what is our purpose on this earth why are we here um and if you were to listen to this you'd think i'm crazy stoned i don't know but it's (laughs) i listen back to it and i'm able to like dig through the language and the words now and say okay this makes a lot of sense but the idea is like every you know every conversation you have right now we get to walk away with something from this you do that enough you build this uh this bank of memories and ideas and now i can go and create something with with everything I've learned. And we're, mm. const- we're constantly doing that. So we're constantly creating something, new ideas, new whatever. Um, and every generation, really every, every day is a new generation in this concept, but every generation, let's say 30 or so years, like a whole new group of people come into the, the business world or the scientific world and there's new technologies and there's new, uh, there's new stories being told about about what's true but it's really a repetition right mm, it's yeah. just now we have this new collective knowledge right of things so our purpose right to, to summate to summarize all of this our purpose is 
human beings is to solve problems. And, uh, and eventually, right. Imagine there's alien overlords looking down on us, just waiting for this to happen. Eventually we'll solve every problem because essentially people are connected. We're a network of ideas, stories, and uh, different perspectives and viewpoints on the world that converge at some point. And over hey, millions of years, eventually some things are going to get done thing we're gonna be able to check a box and say we don't have to touch this anymore right yeah and yet we keep creating new technology we keep creating new ideas and now because there's so many people and and we have the connectivity that we have now like we can learn 10 times as fast you can generate new ideas 10 times as fast you could put ideas out there immediately and get instant feedback Mm-hmm. And so we're going, we've already seen in the last 30 to 50 years of this huge ramp up. And I imagine it's going to get even steeper. We're going to continue to climb until a collapse. And Jordan Peterson thinks that's going to happen in 20 to 30 years, a population can collapse mm. um, down to about half of the people we have now on the earth. I don't know how it's going to happen. We'll see. Yeah. Um, We're, we're in a, we coaches, right? Leaders, people who podcast, we're in a good, we're in a cool position to, to be able to network and we find our little niche, our little hole, right? In the world that we can put ourselves in and build that micro uh, community, so to say, which is infinite. There's, we could do that with anything. I could, I could go find a thousand people sure and uh what can we create with that you know what's what's like the you study music what's the what's the harmonic sequence of the note that i just pressed on the keys you ever listen you ever listen to a harmonic sequence you like really listen for it not sure like harmonic sequence like uh yeah i'm not sure like so, so so if i if i strike a key on a piano yeah especially a an acoustic piano like a baby grand or something yeah yeah you hit a a low like really low like e note right okay. you hold it you sustain it right you press mm. the pedal down on the piano and you just listen in a quiet room Mm. you'll hear undertones of the entire key of E play over time um, as the vibration slows down. Um, and sometimes it's, it's still present and there's devices that can pick up these sounds long after you stop audibly hearing them. Mm. Yeah. Um, so you, I, I, I forget the, uh, the intervals that it tra- that it goes in. It might be, it's not, it's definitely not an octave because you hear multiple um, notes. You can hear different, um, different okay, tones. So you'd be able to hear like, like fifth or the fifths or the thirds or yeah, whatever it may be. If I look this up, oh man, now I'm so curious. Cause I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I want to see this actually too. So we did a, I, you know, I was in school for music and my, uh, my professor, my, my history professor was talking through this and, um, 
demonstrated it and it was fascinating. The, the idea is like you, things go on almost infinitely. Really? Interesting. Man, it's in fourths. Fourths? Okay. What? Interesting. Oh, I gotta re I gotta look this up actually. That's uh this is this is what we do on on uh on my podcast. We uh, <laughs> yeah, I love it. We just dive in. You know, I get I get so that's cool curious about things. Oh uh, yeah, you got it, you gotta stay curious, man. Fourths, okay. Yeah, I gotta look that up. I yeah, uh, I wasn't okay. It's actually to... oh, it's really mathematical. This is wild. Can you send me the link? I gotta. I want to look this up after. I'm on YouTube right now. <laughs> oh, on YouTube. Okay. It reminds me a lot of like. Uh... Wait. It reminds me of. Oh come on. What is that? Uh, that sequence. The sequence of uh, of numbers. Why can't I remember this? prime numbers right the sequence oh, of prime numbers okay. and it goes in this spiral shape oh yeah yeah i know what you mean what is that i completely forget what it's completely forget what it's <laughs> right. called i know what you're talking about but yeah that's what, what that's you, what this uh, reminds me of what did you plug into youtube what do you, Har you uh, harmonic sequence okay i'll look it up yeah beauty example okay hmm oh it's a, it's a math problem okay. oh that's interesting Oh, the Fibonacci sequence is that one, zero, one, one, two, right. three, five. Yeah. Okay. Crazy. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This will be a whole rabbit hole to go down. That's yeah. So cool. I, you know, you know who would probably take out the problem. You know who would really be down to chat about this is Mike Schwartz for sure. Oh, yeah. For sure. We can go sure. into a, we go into a rabbit hole on that. Yeah. Definitely. Oh, man. I really want to hear the, like, see if you can hear the tone though. Anyway, the, we're getting off topic, but the idea yeah. with this is um, you strike a note. If you hit a chord that, you know, that exponentially increases the harmonic sequence, because then there's a sequence off each one, off each note in the chord. Yes. Um, and they it resonates. And um, in theory, it's infinite. It's an infinite resonance because of how sound travels. It vibrates and eventually it vibrates slower and slower until it's in a relatively straight line and you no longer hear it but it still travels right the sound still travels um but, but the tones change they there's it's an iteration on itself over time mm. gotcha yeah big big bang someone struck a chord and now we're in that harmonic sequence you know that's so cool i love getting philosophical it's fun yeah that's awesome this is a that. this is a fun conversation man i enjoyed it yeah a lot. dude very much enjoyed it as well. Thanks. Uh, thanks so much for having me on your show. For sure. So Electric Soil Podcast, and that's where yes. people can go find you right now. Is there any um, any anywhere that you'd like people to look for your uh, for your coaching program or your music that's coming out? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's uh, at recoveryroadmap.me slash ebook. So recoveryroadmap.me slash ebook. So ebook will be uh Available is just a free ebook that I mentioned. So it's called Recovery Roadmap. It's it's my uh, my you know, ticket to recovery. 
basically is my, my story about it. And then, yeah, it gets into the coaching program from there, as well as I am on uh, Instagram and TikTok under Matt Gardner 780. That's my area code up in here in Edmonton. So, uh, oh, also want to promote, sorry, uh, the facebook.com uh, Matt Gardner coaching. So I'm doing a, a daily live show that I, that we're doing here with uh, a couple different coaches and we just do some fun stuff, you know, 10, 15 minutes on uh, you know, a little bit of like games, some language games and just mm. pick a topic and, and that sort of thing. So we've been doing that for a couple of weeks now as well. So definitely find me there. Um, yeah. That's been a lot of fun. Awesome, man. That sounds like fun. you it said is. that was yeah. Matt Gardner coaching on as like a Facebook group or is is that just my actual is? Facebook, uh, Facebook page. So Matt Gardner or yeah, sorry. Yeah. Facebook.com Matt Gardner coaching. Sweet. And I'll go right to my, uh, my personal Facebook page. And it's, uh, yeah, it's cool, dude. You can do this thing for my, it's called restream. restream. And it's like a software. Yeah. Software. You can go right to Facebook live to YouTube live to Twitter live and LinkedIn all mm. at the same time. So you can Ooh. do like a four, uh, four simultaneous, uh, basically like podcast or video cast sort of thing. So we've been doing that. And it's, yeah, pretty rad, man. It's, uh, and then you can hit everybody up and you do it off of Zoom, basically. So Zoom is your... Uh, nice. And then you can record that. And then off Zoom, you know, as you know, you get the audio files mm-hmm. so you can make a podcast out of it. So you basically get five pieces of content, just like That's that. That's pretty awesome. So yeah, super rad. Yeah, I've been doing that every uh, every Friday in my, in my Facebook group. We get on Zoom and you can go live on Facebook from right here. Yeah. It's pretty cool. So and, cool. Uh, and I'll call people up and we'll talk and go through some some work or just chat talk about leadership talk about fun fun stuff thank you this was great man and uh yeah thanks, i uh, i'm dying to get up to banff one day soon oh I'm, my you wife can... and i really want to get up there and hang out for a while so when i do which I will fantastic yeah give me a ring it'll be it's a good about time. four hours it's, it's about four hours from my place so it's like we get down there quite a bit Actually, Darcy's working down at Calgary right now. So she does her the majority mm. of her week from Tuesday to Friday down there. That's like 45 minutes from Bath. So she's yeah. uh, she's she's down in that neck of the woods. Dude, it's beautiful. Yeah, mm-hmm. I highly recommend it. Let me know awesome. if you're ever up here for sure. Awesome. I will. Thank you, Matt. Yeah, thank you.